0: Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors. Now, what are the property investment fundamentals that you should never sidestep? we Answering that very question today with an industry guru, Miriam Sandkula. She is the CEO of Property Mavens and the author of a best selling book. And this talk we have today is based on a lot of the stuff that's featured inside that book the fundamentals that help you get the first investment property right and the subsequent ones on the back of that as well. We talk about understanding risk profile and, of course, the risk profile of the least risk. Risky participant in that investment. A lot of people are buying with a husband or wife or partner or friend or family member or colleague. We talk about getting the experts to help you purchase that investment property and get that right, minimize the risk and maximize the results and also considering who you're getting advice from and where their fiduciary interest comes into play. Are they a family member? Do they have a vested interest? It's an awesome interview with Miriam, and I really hope you enjoy this one. Here's Miriam. Miriam Sandcooler, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth.
1: Mike, lovely to be here. Thank you so much.
0: I've been uh, looking forward to this one for a while. Obviously, you've been in the game for a long time, and uh, there's a lot of wisdom that we want to extract from between your ears. So, we're talking today about the property investment fundamentals you must never sidestep. And I think this is a great, uh, this is great, something great for property investors that are looking at beginning or, or ones that are wanting to build their portfolio. So, I'm happy to have you today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. So um if I can just briefly introduce myself, I'm yeah, the CEO please. of Property Mavens. We are a multi-award winning industry recognised advocacy firm. We do buyer and vendor advocacy. I'm also a best-selling author and um REIV Buyer's Agent of the Year as well as a few other credentials. But as you said, I'm here to talk to people about investment fundamentals you must never sidestep. So I guess some considerations people really need to take into account when they're Um, investing is, have they created a a property strategy? Have they done a risk profile? Have they considered the type of property they're looking at? Have they considered any new legislation that's applicable within the state that they're looking to buy, particularly around minimum standards? Um, And then things like cultural appeal as well. So I'm going to talk today about the seven things very briefly that you need to think about. One of them is People often mistake free advice and they think it's good advice. And what I mean by that is the property industry isn't regulated by ASIC. There is no legal requirement to be a qualified property investment advisor of any sort. Um, it's very much buyer beware because we we know that selling agents and project marketers and property spruikers always offer free advice, but it's biased and it's designed to sell a specific property or project they're trying to get rid of. They're not acting in your interests, and they don't care whether it ends up you know, being a good investment or not, mm. versus, say, engaging someone who's a licensed buyer ad- agent um, where they are, are unbiased, that you'll pay them an advice-based fee, they work for you and they legally represent your interests. So that's the one thing to, for, for the consumers to really understand that free advice is not free. There is a cost associated with it, but you won't know that cost until it's too late. And usually it's often negative capital growth, no capital growth, opportunity costs, Or basically, their whole portfolio development fails because they've got one chance to get the first one right. And if they get it wrong, that's the end of their investing opportunity. Mm.
0: And I guess the, Um, the cost can also be re sort of considered in that rather than paying a buyer's agent fee, you're paying them a fee that they're getting through the developer, right? So, in a way, you are paying for it, but you're not the one shelling it out. So, their sort of fiduciary interest is not to you as the person they're giving advice, right?
1: Yeah, well, the is built into their their commission. They get either what we call a marketing fee or a sales commission. The cost of the property is increased to cover the cost of that fee. So consumers are actually paying for it. It's just hidden in the purchase price. Mm. Um, so that's one way that it's presented. Then there are organisations out there who pretend to be buyer agents that they only introduce to off-the-plan properties. Um, so there's a conflict of interest there. There's a whole lot of confusion around that, and I'll talk a little bit um, later um, about some articles and some blogs I've written about fake buyer agents and, you know, what happens if you're coming up against someone who's charging really cheap prices, what does that mean in terms of the quality of the service you're going to get. Yep. The other thing I say to people as well is you're going to pay a price whether you engage a, an investment qualified advocate or not and that's usually through a mistake that you're going to make and when you don't know what you don't know, that's where the mistake will show up and it will show up in years to come and you won't understand what's happened. Mm. So people will pay one way or the other, they just don't know it. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is people understanding their risk profile and, you know, certainly in financial planning, if you work with a financial planner, they always talk about risk and that's the extent to which someone will expose themselves to a potential loss in order to um, make a certain level of gain. But most people don't factor their risk profile in when it comes to buying property. And so generally, you know, you need to understand if your risk profile is low, moderate, high or very high. And you need to understand your risk appetite, whether it's low, moderate, high. And if you're a single versus a couple, that's a whole nother load of complication. Because if you're in a relationship where you don't have risk profiles that correlate, I can guarantee you there'll be fights and stress and all sorts of things going on about money. So it's really important you get that clear to start with. Generally, my advice is invest according to the persons with the lowest risk profile so they can sleep at night. And then the risk associated with property is totally dependent on the type of property, the zoning, if it's residential, if it's commercial, if it's industrial, if it's short staying. So just understand that some of those have got much higher risks and limited resale opportunities than others. And one size does not fit all, which is where getting some expertise and some help comes in. The next thing is having a plan. You know, a Fairland plan uh, is Basically planning to fail. So a lot of investors go, yeah, we'll buy a property, but they don't have a realistic goal. They don't know what they want that property to do. They don't re- reverse engineer the outcome um, and factor in their age. Um, they don't necessarily know their strategy, whether it's capital growth, cash flow or a balance. Um, and they might know their entry strategy, but they may not have a clear hold and exit strategy as well. So that's definitely something that needs to be taken into consideration. The other thing that people do is they skimp on engaging the right experts. Um, it's so disheartening to see people buy properties where they don't get a contract review done before they buy it and they don't get a building and pest inspection report done. There have been many times where I've looked at a property as an option for a client. We've walked away because of building issues and quite significant ones or contractual issues. And someone buys the property and it's usually someone naive who's done none of that report reporting, but they don't realise they've just bought themselves a $50,000 problem. Um, so, again, experts need to come in at the right time to help you maximise return and minimise risk. And that's the equivalent of dealing with a mortgage broker when you're getting a loan, having a meeting with your accountant and your financial planner to make sure that your structure is right before you apply for the loan, uh, and then obviously dealing with someone who's an you know, accredited property investment advisor or an investment qualified buyer agent. And then at the stage where you're signing a contract before you do that, you want a solicitor or a conveyancer to, to review it for you to make sure you're aware of any issues that are significant, particularly in things like apartments with cladding issues, you know, owner's corporation fees. There's so much complexity and there are so many issues um in recent years, that have come up regarding poor quality in terms of buildings, that you want to know about that sort of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're looking at buying a property, you want to get a building and a pest inspector out. And I know it can cost money, and I know when people miss out several times, they're quite heartbroken, but you have to understand it's an insurance policy to prevent you making a 600 dollars $800,000, million, $2 million mistake. So it's insignificant in the scheme of things. If you've got one chance to get it right, it's your, you know, it's a way of minimising that risk. Uh, And then, of course, once you've bought the property, you do not want to self-manage. The legislation is so complex. I mean, I know in my portfolio I wouldn't even consider managing any of my properties myself because I don't have the time to keep up with the legislation, let alone manage all the minimum um, uh, standards that have to be implemented in, in investment properties nowadays. So absolutely bring on board your property manager, bring on board your insurance broker, your insurance broker is going to organise, you know, you can get um, valuations on the property for insurance purposes and obviously getting the quantity surveying done to maximise, um, you know, your deductions that are available to you, which, of course, Mark, is where you come in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the plug there. Um, we also <laughs> look after the insurance replacement cost estimates as well. And I'm glad you you brought that up because that is a critical area where people are exposing themselves to risk. And most property investors, I, I don't think necessarily utilize uh, the services of an insurance broker. They go sort of straight to the company, you know, an NRMA or an AME or something like that. I definitely recommend talking to an insurance broker.
1: Yeah, same, because they've got access to multiple companies, they're familiar with policies, because anyone can buy a cheap insurance policy, but it'll all turn to Mark when it comes to claiming and you find out that you're not covered for ABC because you didn't understand what you were buying in the first place. Mm. And obviously, you know, frequently I'll have a client come back to me and go, well, I'm talking to the insurer and they want to know what the land value is and the property value is and the replacement value is. And it's like, well, I'm not qualified to do that. Here's the expert that can do it. And the reason you need to do it, and this is where most people don't understand, um, you know, if someone underinsures their property and they have to make they make a claim, the insurance company gonna, isn't going to give them the amount they've insured for. They're going to give them the percentage of the amount that they've been underinsured for. Mm. So if they're 50% underinsured, then they're only going to get 50% of the 50% they've insured themselves for. Yeah. So you know it's incredibly complex and it's unbelievably high risk. And again, this is where experts come in and the importance of of um, protecting yourself in that instance. Absolutely. Um, then I suppose the next thing to really take into consideration is research. You know, most people don't understand macro and microeconomic indicators when it comes to um, buying property. You know, they don't factor in population growth, supply, employment opportunity, infrastructure development on a macro level, uh, and which is what's going to stimulate a particular market. And then on a micro level, it's local amenity, home buyer demand versus investor demand versus tenant demand. Now, this will vary from state to state, from city to city, from region to region. But you do have to deep dive into that to know whether or not you're buying in the right area. Um, and don't just look at one growth driver. You know, people go, well, I'm going to buy in melton because you know hey five million people have moved there in the last few years which is great but population growth alone isn't a reason to invest particularly if you're buying in areas where there have been lots of recent land subdivisions you've had significant amount of people moving into the area but sometimes what happens with that is councils are unprepared and then suddenly they don't have enough um, amenity. So they're they're short on room in the local schools to accommodate all the families and kids that have moved into the area. There's no job opportunities. Public transport not might not be sufficient. Um, so you know, relying on one growth driver is risky. Understanding multiple growth drivers is important, and then understanding the difference between a regional city versus a metro city, and the needs um, of the locals in that area will differ significantly from the, the needs of someone who's in a metro location. Mm. Um, Then we want to understand supply and demand. So people who are often, say, just focusing on population growth alone, as I said, hotspotting, that's where they get a little bit stuck. People who invest for tax benefits is the main focus and a tax deduction rather than for the principle of um, capital growth, cash flow or a balance of the two. That's the biggest mistake. Accountants are all very strong at saying, hey, go buy a property, get some tax deductions, But the last thing you want to do is buy a crappy brand-new or off-the-plan property that's going to depreciate but get zero capital growth because it's badly located Mm. and you'll get a tax deduction for a certain period of time. But then when you get no growth or negative growth, you know, it's a very expensive exercise to receive a few tax benefits. You're best focusing on, you know, what's your strategy, capital growth, cash flow, balance of the two, and then deciding what to buy. And tax benefits are a benefit of investing, but they should never be the reason to invest. (laughs)
0: It's funny you mention that. I did a video on that just this morning titled Tax Depreciation is a Bonus, Not a Strategy and I talked about the best property to buy for depreciation deductions and it was essentially, you know, a high-rise unit in a massive complex and it begs the question, well, is that a good investment? And I think history would say, no, it's a terrible investment but it's going to be great for deductions. You know, the deductions will be fantastic but the strata fees will keep you up nights, right? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well.
1: Yeah. And the other thing, to all those property spruikers who give you free advice, because, quite frankly, they're shit assets and they're a shit investment, and I say that deliberately so people wake up to what I'm saying, they can only ever flog these properties by banging on about the tax reductions, because that's the only positive thing they can offer, and they used to con- convince people <laughs> to buy them. Um and and they've got all this data and research, which all sounds fantastic. But at the end of the day, one of the fundamentals you need to consider is buying for land value, not land size. And if you're buying one apartment in a building of a 100 and you own 100th of the value of the land that that building sits on, well, then you've got a pretty bad investment because you've got, hey, a whole lot of depreciation, but the property's going to go down in value, which means your investment will go down in value. And you've got almost zero land value. So you're going to get zero and negative potentially capital growth. So this is where people make the mistakes of, you know, listening to these property spruikers and buying new, buying off the plan, buying apartments, buying high rises, and they consequently pay a really expensive price. Mm, exactly. Um, And the other thing, does it have the right combination of factors to hold its value during a downturn? I know when we assess a property, we want to buy what's called an A-grade property. We look at 57 attributes and we analyse that property to determine if it ticks the boxes and if it does, great, we buy it. And if it doesn't, so be it. And the difference between a property, say, that's an A-grade property, you know, someone who buys a C-grade property or an underperforming can either get very little capital growth, no capital growth or negative capital growth. And if someone, say for example, invested a million dollars and they only average three percent capital growth per annum, you know, in ten years it's worth one point three million. In twenty years it's worth one point eight, and in thirty years it's worth two point four million. And you might think you've made money, but the stuff that we buy being A grade, we want it, and generally they return between eight to eleven percent capital growth per annum. So just working on a million at eight percent per annum, in ten years it's worth two point one million. In twenty years it's worth four point six million. And in 30 years, it's worth $10 million. So property selection is everything. If you do not buy that right property at the very beginning and ensure it's a high-performing property, you have the capacity to lose tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in capital growth over the longer term just by making that bad decision. And that's what I mean about if people want to go it alone and they don't know what they don't know, That's where they'll pay the price down the track unknowingly. Mm. Um, Then we look at something around not understanding the rules of negotiation. I mean, I know some people think they're fantastic negotiators and they might be in their job, but real estate's very different. You know, every agency and every agent has different policies around auctions. Every uh, auctioneer will call an auction differently differently. Um, you know, most people don't understand price quoting and there's a lot of underquoting that still goes on. They don't know how or what influences come into the buying process. Um, they may not understand auction terminology. They may not have a bidding strategy in place. There's no prize for coming second. And you certainly do not want to put yourself in an emotional situation where you'll be easily manipulated because people do not make good property buying decisions when they're emotional. Mm,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And then lastly, I'd say, you know, you want to review your portfolio. A lot of people think that it's a set and forget opportunity, but markets change rapidly. You know, there are supply and demand factors, employment opportunities, infrastructure changes, population growth. These can work for you, but they can also work against you. So falling in love with a property makes it harder to sell if the market turns bad. You really need to treat it as a business. And holding on to a poor-performing property without any evidence to support the decision the false hope that things will improve can cost investors thousands of dollars in lost equity or capital growth and i've had situations where i've advised clients to sell a property and they've had a twenty thousand dollar loss after holding it for three years and because they couldn't bear the thought of making a loss they actually did nothing about it and by the time the bank forced them to sell three years later the loss went from a twenty thousand dollar loss to a sixty thousand dollar loss so look we're all human we all make mistakes but if you sometimes take that loss and get the right professional advice, you should be able to recover that loss in the short term and then Blue Sky will step in. Um, but, you know, certainly I made my mistakes. I've written about them in my best-selling book, Property Prosperity. I've talked about lots of client case studies and the mistakes that they've made, including, the, you know, the underinsurance and all the rest of it. So, yeah, they're, they're the things that you need to do. That's uh, a really in interesting.
0: Sorry, sorry, Miriam. I just wanted to highlight that point about the the loss. Loss adver- a- aversion is a a really strong thing, right? And you see it probably a lot in people that are starting small businesses. You know, there's a high failure rate, and you know things can turn around in, in the negative very, very quickly. And and um, there's a there's a lot connected to that I mean that could be your hopes and dreams and I think that's similar with the property but sometimes it is the best decision to get out because it's a sinking ship right
1: yeah and people what comes in is pride what comes in is shame what comes in is ego you know and and one of the reasons I love working with clients is because I help them take the emotion out of a decision Mm. Uh, and you know you can see we've got a screenshot here of an example of getting it wrong And I said to my clients, you know, they really struggled and they didn't buy this with my help by any means. But when I said to them, look, you really need to sell because there are 2,000 more apartments coming into the suburb in the next few years and it's only going to get worse. And lo and behold, they didn't want to hear that. They struggled to lease the property. And as I said a few years later, when the bank forced the sale, they ended up with actually a $70,000 cash loss by the time you factor in costs and all the rest of it. But then they had this idea that, well, maybe we can, you know, get the kids to buy it from us. So I'm like, but hang on, it's an asset that's declining in value. It's a bad asset. Why would you want to lumber your children with it? Yeah. You know, they just, some people aren't capable of hearing that they've made a mistake Um, and you can't help everyone. But if they're willing to, you know, bite the bullet and then take steps to, you know, Reco- you know re- recover their borrowing capacity buy a better performing asset wait till you know the loss breaks even and then they're in blue sky mm. you can actually recover so long as you don't hold on to a situation where you've invested a lot of time or money in the hope that you know it'll get better one day when you've got no evidence to support that yeah. like evidence-based decisions not emotional decisions
0: we'll share a link to the the slides here in the show notes as well, but just having a look at that picture, you can imagine that could be very attractly uh, attractively marketed right you know it 's got an interesting facade you know st kilda east is is is, yeah. is is quite a nice area you know that that that'd be that'd be a spruker 's dream right The gloss on that brochure would almost sting the retinas so you, you know it, it's it 's an easy trap for people to fall into, but as you say there 's so much density that went into that area. Being, you know, losing sixty grand over five years, you think about the opportunity costs. I mean, your 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 slide was kind of saying, you know, eight percent at. a million dollars we're talking you know million dollars of growth um over over 10 years so that could be 500k split it in half Mm -hmm. even because the purchase price was a bit lower than this one you know they could have made three or four hundred grand over that period
1: easily absolutely and then we've got situations where particularly people who are buying off the plan and this happens a lot with the asian community where they're foreign investors and they get spruced too this is a, a gentleman who actually bought three apartments in 2020 the first one he bought for 1.56 million we reviewed it recently and we indicated that 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 one was now worth 1.2 to 1.3 million. Now this is a very very wealthy person. Mm. Um you know they just bought a commercial office block in Sydney. So they've got money. But when we also showed him that the two penthouse apartments he bought in Sydney had also dropped $400,000 each. So all up he was over a million dollars in capital loss because he bought off-the-plan apartments where you pay a developer a premium, there's very little land value and then everything that we expect to happen has happened. Um, again, same thing. He can't bring himself to sell them and take the loss, even though he can carry it Yeah, because yeah. pride is there and he can't bring himself to take any action because that would be an admission of failure. Mm. So it's really sad. But you know what? You can get it right. Right. By buying the right property with the right attributes um, that, you know, make it a high-performing A-grade property, it's possible to get significant growth. And when you get the first one right, like I'm showing you on this slide, you know, we had a client, Theo, where he had 33% capital growth in 25 months. We leveraged into his next property. We bought 30000 under market value and he had 24% capital growth on that. And so at the end of the day, when you get the first one right and you get your equity growth correct, you can leverage into your second one. When you get those two right, you can leverage into your third one. Um, Unfortunately, we have clients who come back for their second, third, fourth and fifth property because by getting that first one right, it allows growth. But by getting that first one wrong, you shot yourself in the foot and you've helped, you know, you can't. Most people can't carry those losses and they can't recover from them, which is just really sad.
0: Yeah, and we talked a little bit about that off air. You know, The the average property investor, I think it's 68% now, it was 72. Uh, 68% of property investors only ever own one property. Now that's great if that's your goal, but I, I'd hazard a guess that most people, their goal is to really change what their financial future is. And there's a fairly strong argument that one property is not going to be enough. So it begs the question, why aren't, the average investor getting two, three, four po- properties. And I think it's because they don't get the first one right and they don't right. understand the fundamentals, which makes this a really timely episode of the show.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, they don't. They don't. And and therein lies my point before. People are going to pay whether they engage a professional or not. It's just do they pay in the form of no capital growth or equity loss and that's the end of their portfolio or they pay an expert that can get them an outcome and then they come back again and again and again because they're actually ahead of the game making money.
0: Mm. And isn't that interesting so, that the, the, the people that are doing a good job, you know, they're, they're really building their business based on their re- reputation whereas, you know, that's mm. that doesn't strike me as the same thing for, for people that are selling uh, properties off the planet. No, it's just to no, get, get it once, done and find somebody new.
1: Yeah, so there's no accountability. And and I was going to share three tips with you, which I'm happy to do now. Talking talking to that. So, number one, understand your risk profile so you know the type of property you're buying. And as I said, people don't make good decisions when they're emotional. They're subject to manipulation and the games agents play. They overpay. They have buyer's remorse. They buy over their limit. They get carried away at auction. And, you know, we're all human. There's no shame in getting help. If you understand this is one of the biggest investments you'll ever make, you know, by trying to do it yourself with no expertise and no understanding the complexity around it, you might as well take your money and go to the casino because it's a gamble, you know, no yeah. different, yeah. you know. Chuck your money on a table and good luck. Um, but by engaging the right experts at the right time for risk mitigation, you know, that's where you minimize risk, maximize return. Um, one thing I will say is be careful. There are fake buyer agents out there and a lot of cheap buyer agents out there because they don't know what they're doing. And the only way they can get businesses to offer a cheap price. But again, you'll pay the price. I've got some blogs on my website around that. But one thing I'll say is, you know, for the fee that you pay a buyer's agent, which is not dissimilar to say what you pay a selling agent when they sell the property, it's much cheaper to engage a buyer agent than make a $600,000, $800,000 mistake. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is be very careful who you seek advice from. Are they accountable if they give you bad advice? So a selling agent, a lot of them make claims on investments that is illegal. They should never be actually saying this is a good investment because of X, Y, Z. They do it, they've been getting away with it. Property spruikers do it, they've been getting away with it. But once they've sold, they dust their hands of you, they walk on and they move on and they have no regard or interest whether it's a success or not. They've made their money, they run. Same as family and friends. Everyone has an opinion but if they give you their opinion and it turns to crap, are they going to reimburse you the money that you've lost as a result of taking their advice? Certainly not. <laughs> I That's wouldn't that. have thought so. No. And there are family relationships that are split up. There are friendships that are split up. So my attitude is if you're going to invest hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, take your advice from an expert where there's accountability. Mm. They've got qualifications, a reputation, a brand that they stake on their expertise. Because I can tell you now, if you listen to mum and dad who's done it twice or some friend who's got a different risk profile and they're taking a totally different strategy that's not appropriate for you and your risk strategy and you go down that path and you lose money, they're not going to be compensating you. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I guess that's sort of it in a nutshell uh, in terms of the things that you, you know, the investment fundamentals you must never sidestep. Um, and look, certainly from our point of view, if anyone wants to go to the website, propertymavens.com.au, we offer free consultations. I've got a number of blogs there, particularly one around there's always someone who'll do it cheaper okay. and the consequence of cheap advice, as well as the rise of fake buyer agents in the marketplace and what consumers need to know. Um, I'm also, I don't know if you've got any listeners who are experienced advocates or real estate agents who are wanting to transition. But I'm the only uh, business in Australia who's franchised advocacy is a business model and we're recruiting uh, nationally. So if you've got any listeners who um, are already working in the industry and they have experience, not for newbies and wannabes, but they're experienced real estate agents and they're experienced advocates, you know, feel free to reach out. And as I said, there's plenty of resources on the website that they can download for free.
0: There you go. I, I think those tips are fantastic. I mean, understanding the risk, I've got a real takeaway when you're talking about the the couples, uh, because that's not something we talk about much on the show. And most people will be investing with a partner or a family member. So you've got to kind of understand that risk. The The team of experts is is just a crucial thing. And I think there's always going to be people that are going to be able to to do it cheaper. But, Often in life, that old adage, you get what you pay for, um, is true. So it's important to to create that team and, and not invest based on what sort of Uncle Barry thinks is the next hotspot at the barbecue. Um, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for sharing your wisdom today, uh, Miriam, and we'll have you again uh, back soon, hopefully.
1: Thank you, Mike. It's been lovely to be here. Cheers. Bye.